I really have to share this with you from God's word. And uh, so, so you guys are familiar with this. It's on our shirts, on our hats, but it really just kind of keeps our priorities in line. And if you don't remember your priorities, man, you can get easily distracted in this world, can't you? Man, how hard is it to get distracted? Just one look on Facebook, Instagram, on the news, on whatever. All of a sudden, man, we're chasing another rabbit. We can't forget our purpose of why we're here. And I'm going to go a little backwards. Usually we start with heaven, but I want to start with the black And um, in this. And the black on here represents sin. That when we come into this world, as awesome and as cute as Alana is, all right, if Alana is hungry in the middle of the night, and Alana is, is got a wet diaper, or messy diaper, especially coming up soon. She's, got, she's just a mess in the middle of the night. Is Alana going to, A, say, in her logic and in her reason, you know, mommy and daddy have had a rough time. I've been, like, inside her for a while. And I'm just going to give mom a break. And I'm going to wait till she naturally wakes up. And when she naturally wakes up, I'm just going to say, meh, meh. And, and let her know I need a little something. Is she going to do that? Or is she just immediately, when she feels that discomfort, go, Wah! what is she going to do? <laughs> and, and, and again, now that's part of survival mode. God builds in us. But once you know better, um, now if all of a sudden Jason, all right, is there and, 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 and his beautiful wife Denise, and he's at home and all of a sudden he's uncomfortable, you know, should he, like, would it be okay for Jason just to go, would, would it be okay? Or that would be called what? Sin, right? And, and so there comes a point in time where, where now you're accountable for those, respo- the, those reactions that you have. And it's now called sin. It's a kind of an age of accountability, if you will. And the Bible doesn't exactly tell when that is and so on. I will say this, okay? Uh, one of my seminary professors kind of explained the age of accountability this way. He said, listen, man, when Adam and Eve first realized that they had sinned in the garden, what was one of the first things they noticed? They noticed they were what? Naked, right. And so how many of you can remember, Bruce Lee, do you have brothers or sisters, man? Do you, are they close in age with you? Okay, I don't want to ask you then. But for, <laughs> but, but for those of you who had brothers and sisters close in age, how many of y'all can remember, like, embarrassing it is, you took baths with them. All right, right? You know what I'm saying? Now, once you got to be teenagers, is that kosher? No, it's not cool because all of a sudden you realize there's an issue with that. Keone is kind of in the middle of this right now. Keone, dude, uh, uh, during the middle of the summer, he'd strip it all off, run through the neighborhood. Woo! You're, you're like, I got a neighbor like that, only he's 40-something. There's something wrong with that dude, all right? I'm just saying. But for a little four-year-old, at the beginning of four years old, to do it, you're just like, ha, that's what kids do, man, right? But Keone's starting to get a little uncomfortable, you know, wait, don't come in the bathroom when I'm in here. Don't. And one, you know, so I had a seminary professor once say that when kids start noticing that there's a problem with being naked in front of people, that that, that might just be that age of accountability. And I'm not saying that biblically, but if you got kids and they start understanding that, man, start sharing that gospel. They can understand. They're starting to understand there's consequences. And so, so again, we have sin. We come into this world caring about who? Who's the only one we care about? ourselves we're selfish how many of y'all admit that how many of y'all still are selfish sometimes sometimes yeah and so we come in and we can't cover our sin we can't take our sin away we can't i see somebody's already tried to do that right here but you can't get rid of it it's there it's it's our nature we're born with a sin nature we inherited from adam and god can't let sin into heaven 
He, he, and he can't not punish it. Otherwise, he's not a just and righteous God. He's got to punish sin. And so what had to happen was, is since you can't cover it and you can't pay for it, you have the choice of dying and going to hell and being punished for your sin. You have that choice. If you choose to, to not accept what he's given you as a substitute, then that's the choice you make. In fact, we're told at the great white throne judgment, there's going to be many who are going to come boldly and like, man, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to talk my way. He doesn't know how important I am. Doesn't know how good. And all of a sudden they see him on the throne. And what does the Bible say they do? What do they do the minute they realize who they're going to be accountable for, Zane? They run, they fall, they cry out for the rocks to fall on them. They hide in the caves and like, oh, I blew it. But God, if you're saved, he gave you grace. He gave you the desire and ability to, to see your sin and see you couldn't pay for it. To see a righteous God had to judge you for that sin, had to punish you for that sin. And, and, and you had a choice of either being accountable or being judged by your own sins one day, which would not fly, or being judged by Christ's sins, which would fly. You had a choice. He gave you grace. He had to, gave you the desire and ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross adequately paid for your sins. I just baptized someone. I had the privilege of baptizing somebody Tuesday out in the cove, man. And that's what I always ask. I ask the same thing I ask you guys. Do you believe what Christ did? Well, you guys are the last two here we baptized, man. Do you, do, you, do you believe that what Christ did on the cross is adequate to pay for your sins? And you say, yes. And is it your desire to serve him the rest of the days of your life? Yes. Okay, we dunk you and let the, with you, not so gracefully, with you a little better. But, but yeah, that, that's, so, so here's what happens. You got sin and you know God's got to, got to, he's got to judge it. He's got to punish it. So what happened is he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die, come and live on this planet as 100% God and 100% man. We can't understand all of that, possibly. One day we will. And he came and how many sins did Jesus commit? None. But yet he died the death of a sinner. God punished Jesus. And Jesus took it gladly. Man, for those three hours on the cross, somehow the book of Isaiah says all the sins of the world were slammed on him. Past, present, and future. The ones you're going to commit later today and not even think twice about. He paid for those and took those on the cross. He was beaten for us. But it was his blood being shed that was the payment. God said, I got to punish sin. But yet I got to make a way for sinners to be able to get into heaven. And so if you'll believe that Jesus took the punishment for you, if you believe that, it's because God's given you the ability to believe it. So, man, here's where we are. We're doomed for hell. But at some point, we get faith that God gives us through grace to believe that Christ died on a cross to pay for our sins. He took our punishment. As one of the scriptures I sent some of you all this week is that God treated Christ like he should have treated us so that he could treat us like he treated Christ. Should have treated Christ. We traded places, man. Did anybody get it? How many of y'all trade places? Did you get a good deal? Yeah, you got a great deal. And if you haven't taken that deal, take it. There's no better deal. And so immediately what happens there is now we have a home where? What does the gold represent? Heaven. You've got a home in heaven. Dude, Tom, if you'd have broke your neck and back on one of those beautiful barrels I saw you get, man, and you would have died and rolled up there. Man, where you'd been immediately? Heaven. 
That's what I told the lady when we baptized her in the cove, man. I said, right before I baptized, I said, hey, if one of them giant bull sharks came and bit you in half right from behind you, man, where are you going to go? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, based on that profession of faith, my sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's real. That's where it's at. Dude, we've got sin in our life that needed to be paid for, need to be punishment. Christ took all of that for us. And we have a home where? And can anybody take that away from us? And when do we get to go? As soon as we're done, he's done with us here. You guys remember the Flintstones? Y'all remember the Flintstones? You remember, who did, who did Fred and Barney work for? Mr. what? Come on, some of y'all know this. Mr. Slate, thank you. You guys remember that? And they worked for Mr. Slate. How many of y'all remember the Flintstone car? You know, you get in the car and, 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 and when, when it was time for quitting time, at the end of the, you know, the, the beginning of the cartoon, where was Fred and Barney in a hurry to get to? Home. Dude, when, the, when that, remember they had a cuckoo? Dude, this would be so impolitic, not politically correct now. They yanked the tail of a cuckoo bird that went, Rawr! and it was time for quitting time. And they took their little punch card, man, made out of slate. It's, what they showed us in the beginning of that cartoon was that when it was quitting time, they beat feet to get where? They weren't like, oh, I got to go home. I think I'm going to stay at work. Man, they were done working and it was time to go home. I still think when they took off in their car, man, and then boom, they're going. As soon as they got home, everything was awesome. That's where we're at. Heaven is our home. We are on the clock for Christ here. And, and yes, it is work, but the more we make it like heaven, the more it will be worship, as Zane was talking, to be able to worship him. Because in heaven, we are going to be working for Christ, but we're not going to have a sin nature. We're only going to have a nature that desires to worship him. Everything God says, I want you to do, everything God says, go ahead. And you're like, yeah, I get to do that. Hey, take off on that wave. Yeah. You know, hey, go do this. Yeah. I mean, everything is good. We're going to be stoked eternally to do whatever he wants because our nature will be nothing but to have nothing to do but to please him. We lose our sin nature. So we were born with sin. Man, we couldn't get rid of it. Christ gave us a desire and ability to believe what he did on the cross is adequate. We have a home in heaven. Man, how many of y'all are stoked about that? Yeah. But the green, what is the green for? Green represents growth. And where are we going to have that growth? Here. And what does that growth look like? That growth is where I become more like who? Like him. If that growth is where you, destiny, become more like True Kathy at Chick-fil-A? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the, you become more like him. And, and right reason True Kathy works in the Lord, right? But the point is, is we grow. So how many of y'all know we live in a broken world? How many of y'all know this world's messed up? How many of y'all know Satan's running this world under God's authority? Ever since the fall, when, when Adam and Eve messed up, and then they had offspring that messed up like them. Do you understand that's where you get your sin nature from? You inherit it from them. You're responsible for it, but you got you inherit it from them. And ever since then, God just said, you know what? You, you, you control this under my authority, but I'm going to make a plan for redemption, and I'm going to make a plan for people to be able to follow me, and I'm going to show people the difference between following you in this world's selfish system and following me, and I'm making a plan for redemption, and we're all part of that. But do you know there's going to be one day 
where Jesus is going to bring. What, what do you got to do if you're going to remodel? Zane, you buy some property, you got a house that you, should, you, that, that you shouldn't remodel. What are you going to do before you build a new one? Bulldozer, you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get this guy to work for slave labor, man. And I'm just, no, you feed him. That's good, right? Sometimes he feeds you. All right, yeah. You let me know when he doesn't, man. We'll call. But yeah, if you buy some property and, and, and the building is de- just messed up, it's down, it's falling apart, and you see the potential, what do you got to do before you can build again? Bulldozer, when you guys built your house, what was that lot? Dude, I remember them showing me the lot. They're like, yeah, our house is going to be here and here, and we're going to take this tree. I'm like, no, dude, this is like no seam territory. I mean, it was like, it was woods. And then one day I went, and it was all bulldozed and cleared off. It's got to be cleaned off. One day Christ is going to do that. You know what that time period's called? The tribulation period. That's going to happen after we're raptured. He is going to destroy this earth. It's also a time period for the Jews to have tribulation and recognize their Messiah. It's a time for us. We're going to be in heaven having a honeymoon with him, being married to our, we're the bride of Christ, being married to our groom. But during that time, you read the book of Revelation. Everybody wants to preach through the book of Revelation. Man, once you get to chapters 9 all the way up to the good heaven parts in 19, somewhere up, you know, those, those chapters in the middle, God shows you how many different ways he's going to destroy this planet. He's going to destroy it. Peter said it's going to be done by fire, man. He's going to melt. And then there's going to be a brand new what? Heaven and earth. A brand new one, and it's not going to be corrupted. There's never going to be any sin to mess it up. How many of y'all messed up this planet with sin? Yeah. When we try not to, but we do. So one day it's going to be all brand new. But in the meantime, right now, we've got to keep this all in perspective. So we realize what we've been saved for. We realize who saved us. We realize where our home is. But we also got to realize what our purpose is here. We live in a broken world with broken people, including ourselves when we're walking in the flesh. And why God left us here when he saved us was so that we could be used to carry out what we call the Great Commission. You know what he said? He said, this is his commandment that he gave. It's the end of, at the end of Matthew. This is the commandment he gave people. He said, as you are going. Hey, as you are going. Where do you go? Wherever you go. Go to Walmart. Go to Target if you're not a Walmart person. What I'm saying, where do you go? Wherever you go. Going to Fort Pierce to start a paddle thing or something. Now grow tiny. Whatever it is he's calling you to do as you are going, no matter what your occupation and what you think your purpose is, as you're going, he says, make what? Disciples. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is a disciplined one that disciplines themselves to put themselves under the authority of a teacher. And follow what that teacher wants. And we're disciples of who? Are we disciples of Pastor Eddie? No, don't. I'm going to get you in trouble. I promise. (laughs) Dude, I'm going to get you lost, man. You are a disciple of who? Christ. So as you are going, discipline your life once you've given it to him to do what he wants you to do. So as as you're going, go into all the world, make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that baptism is a remembrance. When I hold you in the water, that looks like a what? A cross. When I bring you under, it represents Jesus' death and burial. And if you're lucky enough to get brought back up again, Tom, right? 
Didn't I hold you down for a long, extra long time? I let you back up when I saw bubbles, all right? But man, you're held under the water. That represents Jesus' death and burial, and you're preaching the gospel. I bring you back up again. That represents Jesus' resurrection. But you're preaching the message saying, I have died to being the boss of my life, and now I'm rising to live a new life with resurrection power, not the power of this old messed up flesh, but God's power in my life. And that's why he says, once you become a disciple, make that proclamation that I'm living by God's power. And every time you see someone else get baptized, remember, you made that same proclamation that you're going to live by his power and not your own. His resources and not your own. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he said, then, if you forgot what making disciples is, he said, next part, he said, teaching them. So who's supposed to be teaching? Everybody say me. You're teaching them. That's people who don't know or people that don't, that God has brought in your life. You might just be reminding them, but definitely people who don't know, you are teaching them all the things that he has taught you. Destiny, what happens if you're walking with Christ or you think you are and you're not learning anything? You got anything to teach? Yeah, you got some old leftovers, man. But they're looking at your life saying, yeah, I might do it when I see it in your life. But how many of you have been walking fresh, man? Destiny, when you're walking fresh, can you even keep your mouth shut without teaching somebody? You have to share with them what God's doing in your life. So what's supposed to happen is we're living a fresh walk with Christ. We're, we're supposed to be stoked about our, our, heaven, we're our heavenly home, and, and we're supposed to be inviting people to that, and, and we're supposed to understand why God's got the stuff he's got in our life right now. And that's what Peter's going to do in this book of 1 Peter. So in 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes, watch this, bro. All right. If I, it's going to take me 10 minutes to find the remote here. Hang on. Where's that remote? Does anybody know where the remote is? Nope, it's not in the pocket. It's not in the pocket. Oh, here it is. All right, I got it. All right, yeah, I got it. Never mind. All right, so, so as I told you, man, you've got to remember, you've got to remember why you're here. Black represents what? And that you, if you've been saved, you were saved by what? Blood of Christ. So your home is where? Heaven. But he's left you here. This is work. This is work. Bruce Lee, you work for uh, Zane, right? You know, what, what would happen if while you're working, all of a sudden in the back of your truck, you get some guys to help you with a lazy boy and a big screen TV, and you put that up there on the job site? What would happen, Zane, when he walk, you walk in and you see Bruce Lee doing that? You're fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you try to treat this place where we're supposed to be working, you try to treat it like home, it doesn't work out, does it? It doesn't work out. You're supposed to be working when you're working. And, and don't you find satisfaction when you actually are working and you watch things get accomplished? In their satisfaction, God built us that way. And it's the same way with him. We can't lose sight of the fact I'm not in that lineup to surf. You've got to help me so much, all of you I surf with. It's not about the waves. It's about the fa- It's about the kingdom. And let me ask you a question. If I make it about the kingdom, do you think God can bring me a little wave every once in a while? And he did. Granted, I had to share it with a few people, and there's picture evidence of that, but, but yeah, he can bring it. It's not about this life. It's about the kingdom, man. And that's what Peter's saying. He's t- talking to people who are under severe oppression. 
These people are getting blamed from what Nero did. Nero is persecuting them. Nero burnt the place down because he wanted to rebuild it. And, and, and not everybody liked it. And so they sent Nero, uh, they started persecuting and blaming the Christians for the fire. Christians are being moved all over the place. Hey, let me ask you a question. Who was really moving the people all over the place? Was that, was that, was that God or was it Nero? It was God. You've heard me talk about a pile of Christians, like a pile of manure, right? Man, you get a pile of manure, what does that pile of manure do to everything underneath it? It kills it. You got a pile of manure, everything underneath that manure, man, it's dead. And that's what sometimes happens when we get a pile of Christians inside a church, and we don't ever go anywhere. We don't do anything except right here. What do you need to do with that manure to make stuff live? Start spreading it, dude. We start. So here's God. You're a manure pile right here. God's like, oh, Jason, there's somebody. Karen, oh, here's somebody here. Terry, I am going to put you in the most awkward position. Boom, there it is. What is the purpose of being manure for Christ? To help things grow, exactly. And that's what God was doing. That's not what Satan was doing. That's not what Nero was doing. Nero had a scapegoat. It was the Christians. But God, like a manure pile, was making the kingdom grow by moving people all over the place. We may not like it, but we sure have a lot less anxiety when we understand why it's really happening. And so this week, what we learn in five minutes now, is God has got an awesome retirement plan. And you need to invest in the right retirement plan. And, the, and how you invest in this retirement plan of God's is that you persevere, persevere while you're here. Help me out with that. Everybody say, persevere while you're here. One more time, persevere while you're here. Oh, I hope that rings in your head. I hope next time God takes a big chunk of you and throws it somewhere, you understand it's not for, for evil, it's for good. It's for your good and for his glory. And you will, in your head, immediately think, what, what? You will persevere while you're here. When he sends you, man, down on that bridge job, man, and all of a sudden you realize you feel like a chunk of manure and you're wondering, why am I here? You'll say, I need to while I'm here. This is part of God's plan, and the kingdom has a chance to grow in this situation. Persevere, persevere while you're here. Here's something I want you to think about, and it's, uh, I put it up on Facebook and different places, but I want you to think about this. We're, what Peter's telling him to do is he says, look past your troubles. How often, it, when we're in troubles, what are we usually looking at? Hey, Mike, what are we usually looking at? Our troubles, right? Yeah, we're just like, they're just right, ah, I can't get out of them, you know? I was thinking about that yesterday as I, man, as my car, I was just finally saying, all right, dude, we cut the air conditioner hose off and... And, and now I don't hear that, you know, compressor going in a bad way anymore. And now she sounds good. I think I'm going to put some new tires on her. And I get to a wedding and I drive in and park next to the next person. And all of a sudden there was a, a, a Brazilian pepper tree branch sticking this far out from the parking spot. And I stuck it right in my radiator. <laughs> and I'm preparing for this message. I'm like, persevere while you're here. Because then I had to go to a wedding. 
And I'm just like, God, okay, you know what? I was just praising you for this vehicle, thinking I'm finally, yes, I have arrived. I am totally satisfied. She's going to get a new set of tires, man. Woo! And then, psh, psh. <laughs> it was like, it was almost too comical. <laughs> but Bob's going to help me fix it. All right, bro. So look past your temporal troubles. How many, don't get stuck in them. Look past them. And rejoice in your eternal inheritance. And that's really what he's talking about here in this section of Peter. So the first thing he says is to what? Praise God. It's amazing what praising will do. Anybody heard that little kid song? I am not going to sing it because even if I did, you would not recognize it. But it's amazing what praising will do. It changes your whole perspective. And that's how Peter starts in this. He said, blessed be the God and Father. And actually in the original Greek, it doesn't have the God. It says, blessed be God. Gary, can we just stop right there? No matter what's going on, blessed be God, right? Hey, Bob, I get a call. Bob's in the hospital, dude. He kind of overdid it, overheated. I'm just glad to see you today, man. All right. The alternative was hanging in the hospital with him, right? Is he home now or? No. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, well, in essence, overheated, but yeah, he, dude, blood pressure, everything, and her husband, Bob's in the hospital, so we're praying for him, man. Yeah, you, you get that kind of stuff, what are we supposed to respond with? Bless God. How can I bless God for this? How can I bless God when I pull in the parking spot and I just skewer my radiator with a Brazilian pepper branch? I didn't see it. No, you would not have seen it either, so don't think I wasn't paying attention, man. It's just like... Oh, how can we say bless God? We say bless God when we look past our temporal troubles and we see what God wants to do with it. I got no idea what God wants to do with this. I just got a new radiator a few months ago and it wasn't cheap, but bless God. You see, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. Bless God. And look what he says. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. And so picking that apart, when he starts out, he says, bless God. And he says, because of Jesus, the father, which if Jesus is the father, if God's the father, Jesus is the son. And that's why they killed Jesus, wasn't it? That was a charge against him. He said he's the son of God, which makes him equal with God. How many of y'all are glad that Jesus is God? Yeah, he couldn't save him if he wasn't God. If Peter wasn't having none of this heresy of his day, aren't you glad we don't have that heresy in our day? It's here. Jesus is God and couldn't have saved us if he wasn't. So blessed be God, the father, the son of our Lord. What does Lord mean? I gave it in parentheses right there. What does Lord mean? Ryan, if he's your Lord, he's your boss. What do you do if you want to keep your job? What's the boss? Now you have eternal life, right? Okay, let's say your boss couldn't fire you. All right. Your boss couldn't fire you, but you don't obey your boss. What's going to happen? Yeah, you get in trouble. It's, is it going to be more pleasurable working for a boss that you obey than, than just totally resisting and rebelling against your boss? Especially if they can't get rid of you. I'm just saying, and, and, and he's a pretty persuasive boss. God is. So he'll find a way to get you. It's just much better if you obey. But he's your boss. Who better to call the shots in your life than him? How many of y'all ever had a horrible boss that didn't know what they were talking about? Come on, let me see it. Your boss isn't watching. And if your boss is in this congregation, don't raise your hand, but... Literally, isn't that horrible working for a boss? Are you talking about your mom at Chick-fil-A when you were working for her? Okay, all right, good, good. I'm just clarifying that. All right, just clarifying that. But, but listen, man, 
Isn't it awful when you have a boss wanting you to do stuff that can't be done? You got a boss that's like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Just because his dad owned the company. Never mind. I'm just saying, it's like when you got a boss. But what about the best boss? You can count on that with him. He said, bless God, because you got a great boss. Bless God, because, because he is the boss. He's God. And, and, he, and, and he's Jesus Christ. Jesus was a common name, but Christ means the anointed one. There was only going to be one Christ. So bless God, because Jesus is God. He's the most awesome boss in the world. And he is the anointed one, the Messiah that everyone's been looking for. Bless it, because you're hooked up with him. Because look what he says in the next part. According to his great what? Mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You understand that? Man, I say all the time, and I've tried to teach you guys, man, when you're having a bad day, when you're thinking you're all entitled and things aren't going your way, and people say, how's it going? You know how you need to really respond sometimes? I'm better than I deserve. It'll challenge you. When you start thinking, I bet, what happens when we start thinking, well, I'm worse than I deserve? I deserve this, and I deserve this, and I'm not getting that. What, how do you feel then? feel horrible, right? And then everything you start seeing isn't fair. You start being a bean counter in life. But if you will start viewing life, I'm better than I deserve. Because let me ask you a question. Hey, Scott, what, we, what was supposed to happen to us? When we, when we just sinned once, what could God have justified? Yeah, dude, he could have crispy crittered you instantly and been totally justified in doing it. But he didn't. You are better than you deserve. But yet we have this mentality that, oh man, I'm being treated like I deserve. You don't want to be treated like you deserve. Not in God's eyes. You're being treated better than you deserve. You deserve death, but he gave you life. So according to his, what kind of mercy? Yeah, not just mercy, but his great mercy. Not getting what we deserve. He has caused us. You know what, when it, he causes something to happen, that's the, op, that's the other side. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting more than what you deserve. In other words, you got salvation. Ryan, did you deserve salvation? No. Sandy, did he deserve salvation? How about you? No. You got more than you deserve. He gave you grace, gave you a gift. So it's because of his great mercy, not giving you what you deserve, he gave you more than you deserved, and it is to be born What? Again, why'd you have to be born again? Hey, is Alana's first birth good enough? No, that's a, that's a carnal birth. It's, she's got sin. She needs to be born from above. She needs another birth. And when he was talking to Nicodemus about that in John chapter three, and all the other Jews are fully thinking, I'm a Jew, I can do whatever I want. Even though he was righteous, I'm a Jew. My first birth is enough. He said, no, you need to be born from above. You need to be born with a new nature. How many of y'all, when you gave your life to Christ, he changed you like a diaper? I'm just saying, no, he changed you, literally, for the same reason. I'm just saying he changed you. If you didn't get changed, you probably didn't get born again. That's what happens. He gives you new desires, spiritual desires, new ways of comprehending him as opposed to how you used to in the flesh. He gives you a relationship with him. There's a whole everything about being. He, by giving us more than we deserve, we're born again. And look what we're born to. What kind of hope? Uh, Ryan, what's the opposite of a living hope? A dying hope. You know, a die, what's a dying hope? What's that? 
this world. Yeah, you know what a dying hope is? It's a hope that I can surf like you uh, 10 years after the fact. How old are you right now? Oh, come on, man. You're, you're, you're in your early 40s, right? Something like that? Huh? 46. So I got 12 years on you, bro. Oh, 42? What? Oh, yeah, dude, I got a lot more. A dying hope is the fact that now I'm like way older than him. And would you expect that I can surf with the same energy, stamina, and agility as him? No, you can't. How many of y'all know your body is dying? Okay, and I'm not making excuses here. I'm just re- living vicariously. When I just watch you drop in, I'll be like, yeah, Gary, can you, can you testify? Yeah, Gary just told me before church, he said, be glad you can get out and do it because there's going to come a day where you wouldn't even dare have your body go out there and be a part of that. Amen. Amen. But you enjoyed it while I was there. That's a dying hope. A dying hope is that it doesn't get better. And there's so many dying hopes. Every, this world is going away. It's declining. And he said, man, you were born to a living hope. So let me ask you a question. When you die, is your next body going to be better than this one? Yeah. I, we were talking about that in the water out paddleboarding this past week. And everybody's like asking questions. What is it going to be? I don't know, dude. I think we get to eat. <laughs> Obviously, that's important to me, right? You know, when Jesus in his new body, he, he saw him cooking fish on the shore and he was eating fish. My wife's not too happy about that. Honey, I think they'll have chicken for you. But, uh, uh, but uh, the body's going to be awesome. You can walk through a wall. I don't know. I can't wait. But the living hope is that the best is yet to come. But it ain't bad right now. The more you live for him now, the more you get to experience as much as you can about heaven. The more you live in this world and in the flesh, the less you experience of that. So man, he caused us. He gave us the desire and ability to, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We were talking about that, man. Um, uh, someone came up to me in the parking lot. I have a goodwill, man, and she was just like, Man, I just, how do I even know God is alive and all these, I'm going through tough times and he's t- I'm doing, you know, and I said, man, your testimony, just the fact of you telling me what has happened in your life and how it's changed. Can a dead God change you? No. How many of you have seen God work in your, how many of you are different people now than you were before you're born again, even though you might be going through a skid? But just the fact of God giving you his heart. Hey, conviction for sin. Do lost people have a conviction for sin? No. If you've got a conviction for sin, now you better take care of it because God's got a way of getting it out of you. Like I tell Keone all the time, hey, do I need to whack you on the butt to clear up your ears? (laughs) That just seems to clear up your ears every once in a while. God has a way of doing that. But the fact that you even have conviction for sin, what does that prove? proves most of the time that you're that and if you want to straighten that out it proves that you have a relationship with god and so anyways he's given us a living hope through the resurrection of christ and your changed life is proof that christ has risen from the dead but more importantly when you die hey boston when you die if you were just laying there right now no breath no nothing what could you do to get to the next place you can pray while you're dead, while you're laying there with no breath. I was like, I just did a couple of funerals, and I'm going to tell you, they were not in any condition to pray. What could you do? Nothing. 
except count on somebody else, right? So who do you want to count on? You want to count on somebody who, who tells you they could do something or somebody who proved they could do something? Who do you want to count on to raise you from the dead? I want to count on somebody who I know did it. And by the change in my life, I know he raised himself from the dead. And every time I see godly desires in my life, he's proven to me that he is risen, he is alive, and that's the one I'm counting on to raise me from the dead when I'm gone. So he says, praise God for this what you have. Praise him for this perfect retirement plan. And I promise this one verse I'm going through quick. He says this retirement plan. How many of y'all invest in retirement plans here on this planet? How many of you have watched on those days when the stock market loses 8,000 points? And you're like, I'm, I'm being facetious. I haven't lost that much. But I mean, some days, yeah, dude, it's losing hundreds and hundreds. And I know there's people I know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gambling, whether it's the lottery or the stock market. I'm just joking. They're both the same. You do understand that, right? But I'm not saying if you've got to make investments, you make investments. And there's nothing wrong with all that. I'm grateful that you do and so on. But the fact is, is I've talked to people, and on those days when it's lost five, six, seven, however many points it's lost. When you were kids, remember on the news, they'd say, oh, yeah, they lost uh, three-quarters of a point. <laughs> Dude, that ain't nothing anymore. And but when it loses all this, I know people. I, what's wrong? I just lost millions of dollars today. But it, I have confidence it's going to go back up again, and I'm going to gain that back. Literally, people lose millions, billions on these stock market jumps up. And How many of y'all know that? Some of y'all are experts. This is what you do for a living. I don't. I just listen to what y'all have to say, and I pray for you not to count on that, but to invest wisely and do what God wants you to do with all of that. Because if that's where God wants you to glorify him is through that, then amen. Yet that's, how, that's your gig. But the fact is, is, man, how stable is that stock market? how stable is all of that how about man linda and i had uh what are those 401ks you know yeah something like that man you know back in the day when we were young that was the big thing of being a baptist pastor you got an annuity they would put money in and and dude we just lost track of it because we didn't have any money to put in she she looked up something and said oh we still have some money but when she told me how much we had, I'm thinking, we put more in than that. <laughs> Why don't we have more? Because it just went away. Same thing with hers. We lose in all this stuff. But he says, I got a retirement plan. Now, I'm not saying don't invest in that stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't miss the, miss the best investment plan. He said, you have been saved to an eternal inheritance. So how long does this inheritance last for? forever and an inheritance is a wealth or legacy passed down through family member who's the family member passing down this will and testament to you jesus christ man and uh i don't know that might be better than than aunt Susie's inheritance to me or my mom's inheritance i, I like the one i'm getting from christ passed down to me he said it's imperishable you know what that means it cannot be ruined by a different presidency, by a different kind of political system. It can't be ruined by socialism, by capitalism, by communism, by, by Ubianism and Facebookism. It can't be ruined. He said it's undefiled. It cannot lose value like all these other. How many of you ever lost money in your, in your retirement account? Yeah, you're like, oh, no, no. yeah, it's, it, this will not lose value. It's eternal. He said it's unfading, meaning it never grows old. Man, there's investments people made in the past, like in paper companies. No, just 
that are worthless now. I'm just saying. It's like this one, you invest in it, it never gets old. It's kept guarded in heaven. That's what this word kept men. It means it's being guarded. Hey, who's guarding your investment? Who's guarding your eternal investment? God is. Is there any better guard? He's omnipotent. Nobody can take, nobody can mess with it. He's omnipresent. Nobody's going to like wait for him to go away and take it or anything. And he's omniscient. He knows everything, man. So he's the one guarding it. And it's guarded where? In heaven. In heaven. Can you think of a more secure, safe deposit box than heaven? I'm just saying, do what you got to do on this planet. I'm not talking about, you know, what you got to do money-wise and all of that. You're saying, well, you're the one who stuck a tree through your radiator driving a piece of junk, you know? It's like, maybe, but... And, and that's not where I'm going with all this. If, you, you got, if God's given you the ability to make money, use it wisely. You got, you're going to be held accountable for all those jelly beans he's given you. And I'm going to be held accountable for the jelly beans he's given me. We're going to, have to be, we're going to be held accountable for what we do with what he's given us. He gave me words. That's why I'm preaching so long. Because I'm going to be accountable. No, I'm just joking. But, but listen, man, I'm just, I'm just saying here, don't miss his retirement plan. Make sure whatever you do, wherever you do it, however you do it, it is for his glory. It is for him. Don't get distracted. Invest in him. It's unfading, never grows old, kept in heaven, the most secure place. And who is it for? Look at that. What does that say? Everybody, it says it's kept for you. You know what? I, I got stuff that I want to pass down to my kids. I have been collecting cast iron. I have a giant collection of cast iron, and it all matches, and I want to give it to my kids. <laughs> and, and it's for you, kids. What, <laughs> what are my kids saying? <laughs> the same thing you're saying about Grandma's China that came over on the Mayflower. Goodwill doesn't even want this stuff anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Emily, Emily's like, all right, well, he'll come back and haunt me if I don't take at least one piece that I like that he cooks stuff out of. But, dude, I'm going to be living out of a trailer. I really don't have room for all the, you have the biggest collection because you helped me cook. Now, <laughs> are you excited? Now, but he said this one, man, it's for you. It's this been custom designed for you. You're going to want it. It doesn't grow old. And look, so he goes on and says, he says, praise God because you are part of his perfect retirement plan and it's protected by his power. Nobody can mess with this. Who by God's power, he's omnipotent, it is being guarded through faith that God has given you. So how do you know you have this? You, how many of y'all believe that you got a home in heaven? Okay, you believe you have a home in heaven? Uh, how do you know? Who gave you the ability to believe that? God did. He gave you faith to believe what this word says. And the more we grow this faith, the more we can believe what it says and not believe what the world says because the world is full of lies. And so he says, man, it's being guarded through the faith that he keeps giving you because, Karen, if you have faith and you use it, what happens? It grows, but if you don't use it, you lose it. That's what Jesus taught. And so he says, that who by God's power, it's being guarded through faith for salvation. And listen, how many of y'all are saved? How many of y'all are, are, are totally saved? Okay. How many of you are done being saved? There's nothing left to salvation. Good. I'm glad you say that because we start by being saved and having our sins forgiven and being born again. But as we talked last week, we're in a process called sanctification where we become more and more like him. 
And then do you know when the best really comes? It's like when Fred and Barney check out, and they get home. That's when the best happens. You understand the best part of your salvation happens when you die? Physically here? You get home to a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, no more nature to want to do anything contrary to God, and everything is worship. It's awesome. If he were to come right now, while this world's going through the worst time period it's ever gone through, what's going to be happening to his believers? We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, dude. Food again. I'm just saying, man. The marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to have a wedding party with him. And we'll be there in heaven with him. And if there's nothing else, there's him. And he's awesome. Just like we were talking out in the mangrove swamp, Vicky. It's like we're thinking, well, is this going to be there? Is this going to be here? You know what? Let me ask you a question. If right now a giant 8,000-foot rainbow unicorn whale just popped out of the ocean right now and came and started looking in this building, what would you be paying attention Hey, bro, what would you be paying attention to? Yeah, dude. No disrespect, man. You know what? I, I don't I've got to preach for God, but I'm going to be paying attention to that thing. I'm going to be so enamored, so obsessed that I cannot. Do I, am I going to watch Terry pick his nose or whatever? Am I going to watch him do No. Am I going to watch him do any? No. I'm not going to notice anything except that giant 8,000-foot unicorn whale that's rainbow-colored. It's got my attention. What do you think, Ryan? Dude, does it have your attention? And that's God. When you get to heaven, you're just going to be... And you're just going to, everything, if you even, you will recognize people. Zane, come here. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, when'd you get here? I don't care when he got here. Zane, look at this. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And every day it changes. It's new. It's phenomenal. That's what heaven's going to be for us. That's your inheritance. Man, you make it through this time, growing closer and closer and closer to him. As you're going through this green time here in life, overlook these temporal troubles and find joy in your future inheritance that you have. You're getting closer to him here. So he he got salvation, sanctification, glorification. And he said it's ready to be revealed in when? When's all this, the great stuff's going to be revealed? The last time. Man, how about the great white throne judgment when everybody's having rocks fall on them? Everybody's running scared, and, and you have peace, Chris Delavarar. You have peace because you know your sins have already been judged. You know you don't have to face that for judgment. In fact, when you face the king, it's only going to be for reward of what you've done for him. That's when you're going to wish you maybe would have done more here. I don't really know how that all works, but what I'm saying is there's going to be some great, great times. So he goes on. This is the end of it. He said, and and next week we're going to talk about persevering. We're going to talk about why we have these things to persevere through. He's going to give us great reasons, but I just want you to see that we're supposed to praise God because he's got an awesome retirement plan ahead of us, protected by him that we're going to experience later. Ryan, have you ever done something for a boss that you really didn't want to do, but you needed the paycheck? You were, or you were looking forward to the reward later, maybe. Maybe it was going to be. How many of y'all ever worked out and didn't really feel like working out? You know what I'm saying? You're working out going, oh, yeah. And then the next day, you're like, oh, you're sore. But you keep doing it. Why? 
because of the benefit later. That's what he's saying. This is what Peter's saying. Work out now. The benefit of this workout is going to be far superior than anything you've ever worked out for in your life. He said it's going to cause good because look what he says in this. He said, in this you what? So what are we supposed to rejoice in? We're supposed to rejoice in our eternal inheritance that we have. Go back and look at those verses. I know I blew through those in five minutes. No. <laughs> Terry, why does that look on your face, man? Am I watching the same as yours? No. Man, just so we had extra stuff today, man. But listen, man, rejoice in the inheritance that you have in him later. Rejoice. Have you ever used the reward to get you through the work? Yeah. You know, Karen's hard work baking all that stuff, right? But you look at the benefit later, the customer's faces, the satisfaction later. And that's, that's kind of what he's saying is like, use that to motivate you. In this you rejoice. He says, though now for a little while, that's your life right now. Gary, how old are you, bro? Did you, would you consider it a long time ago, 73, a little while? Neither did your mama. But look, here we are. I'm just saying. A little while. He said, man, though now for a little while. And look what he says. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So he says the trials, and this is what we're going to look at next week. He said the trials that you're going through now are necessary. They're necessary to bring you joy. They're necessary to make you look like him. We're going to learn all the reasons they're necessary next week. But he said, what's going to get you through the work, which is this what this is, what's going to get you through the work is the reward that comes later, what you have later. So go back and look at these and pray about these and think about these things that he's promised that we will have later. Man, moms, how many of y'all ever delivered a baby? You know, Ashley, your hand up there. Now, I agree. She had, dude, it took her 10 minutes. What the heck? No, no, all her prayers were answered. But I'm not saying that 10 minutes was like not painful, but, but literally, why would a mom keep pushing? Why would a mom keep going? Did moms, moms, did you ever feel like, oh, God, I can't go any further? Oh, I'm ready to quit. I mean, yeah, especially some of you had that like three day labor pain, three day of labor, but I'm just saying. It's like, why does a mom keep pushing, man? Because the reward is so great at the end. Man, I don't even know how to explain it. That's what he's trying to tell us. Keep pushing. Keep working. He said, it's all going to be really worth it later, and it's all to make you enjoy what you have now even more. But you're going to be used to bring people into the kingdom. That's what you were left here to do. So again, he says, man, here's the plan. Don't miss it. You, got, you came in this world with sin. You realize somehow that you couldn't pay for your sin or cover it, but God gave you the ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross would do that, and you surrendered yourself to him. So you have a home in heaven. If you get this far, how many of y'all are set for life now? Dude, you're, you're set. And, and who, who'd you give your life to, Karen? You gave it to him, so who does it not belong to anymore? Yeah, who does it belong to him if you gave it to him? And he said, this is what you're doing for me right now. And it's only for a little while. But don't miss why you're doing it. Don't get distracted. Don't get confused and start chasing things in this world you're not supposed to chase. But make sure it's for this purpose. Make sure it brings me glory.
So I hope that will motivate you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for loving us. And Father, thank you for uh, just giving everyone stamina to sit here. I think it's kind of hot in here right now. And um, I don't know, it makes me think about hell. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful that I'm as close to hell as I'm ever going to get, seriously. Um, I cannot imagine burning eternally forever and never being consumed. I'd want it to be over with, but it, it won't be. It'd be the ultimate torture, the ultimate pain, and that's what I deserve because I come in this world as a sinner. But I'm so grateful that you made a way for my sin not only to be paid for, but to be punished. And you gave me grace and mercy to be able to receive it and be judged by what Christ did on the cross. Father, I pray that each of us would be so grateful for that, we would praise you for it. And that just what you've given us and what you've not given us, Father, and as we think about our eternal inheritance, Father, I pray that we would, um, we would be motivated to serve you in any capacity that you want us to serve you in. And um, Father, that we would find joy in everything that you put us in. Not because it feels good, but because we know it's a privilege and an opportunity to serve you. Because we know it's what you've called us to do. Father, um, we don't understand everything. In fact, Isaiah said our thoughts are not even close to your thoughts. That's why we just need to obey. So, Father, my prayer is that if someone's never given their life to Christ, I pray you'd give them a desire that they can't refuse to do that. I pray, Father, that for those of us that have, we would never forget what our true mission is on this planet. And that is, as we live in this broken world, but we do it from your perspective, with your presence, and with your power. Father, that we'll see, um, we'll be able to bring more people with us. Father, I pray that we'd have less anxiety. I pray we'd be able to show people what kingdom life is really like. And I pray that one day when we face you, um, we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That that would be our motivation. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.